You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Built for the Stage. This is Joe Roscoe, founder and host of Built for the Stage podcast, Broadway's number one fitness platform. If you haven't checked us out yet, go to builtforthestage.com. We'll be on your way with a two-week program, no charge, no catch, working with me one-on-one on an interactive fitness app from anywhere in the world. Special thanks to Broadway Podcast Network for hosting the podcast. You can check them out at bpn.fm. All right. Let's get on to our special guest. Special guest, as always, we're hopping back on to the podcast train. We've been off for about a month or so. Super excited to be talking to our guest list coming up. Our guest currently uh, is in the production of Crazy For You at the West End. Uh, I actually got to see it. mm, I think I saw it in September. Wow, time's flying. September of this past year. Uh, they're starring as Irene Roth. Um, believe the title or the her big number is Naughty Baby, if I remember correctly. I've been in the show a couple times. Loved the show. Loved our guest in it. Uh, you've also seen our guest in shows like Motown, uh, playing Young Nala and the Lion King back in the at the Lyceum Theater, uh, Dream Girls tour, Dear Evan Hansen tour. Uh, or not tour, no calorie theater, theater, excuse me. It's been cool as I ramble. It's been cool to live in London all that time and finally have an understanding of where all these theaters are and the names of the theaters. So uh, anyways, I'm going to give us a little bit more background and insight into our guests living in London, all things West End. So hang tight, Americans. Here comes our guest from the West End, Natalie Kasanga. Hey, Natalie. Hi. <laughs> that was a lovely introduction, I must say. <laughs> yeah, it, we could we could rewind it and try to polish it a bit, but I did my best. I did my best. Uh, yeah, so I, jumping in, I saw the show back. It was September, um, and first off, just like the style of the piece, always a fan of it. Loved how everyone in the production really took on the essence of the style. I think yeah. I've seen Crazy for You in other ways where. You either have to be like all in with it or all out. So I really appreciated yeah. everyone's commitment up there to the piece. Tell us just a little bit, bit about the journey in Crazy For You. Uh, we'll talk about the show for maybe the first half of this little discussion. And then we're going to jump into all things Natalie and who who she was growing up and who she is now and all those cool things. So Crazy <laughs> For You, tell us about maybe like how did you the audition process did someone just call you up and say, hey, we're doing crazy for you. You're, you're going to be in it. You're magically in it. Congratulations. Bye. <laughs> no, do you know what? So crazy for you was a very, I wasn't actually expecting the audition to come through. Um, it was very spontaneous. And when I got the email from my agent, she was like, oh, they want to see you for crazy for you for the role of, um, of Irene Roth. And I've heard about Crazy Few before because it was in the West End. Um, I think back in the early 2000s, um, but it originally was um, here back in the 19, um, I think it was 1994, maybe? Not entirely sure, don't quote me on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it originally came, yeah, came to the West End. Um, and so I knew all about it. I knew how incredible the production is and it being directed and choreographed by Susan Stroman. 
to audition for a role, not only um, as part of a revival in the West End, but also to get that through, I was like, wow, okay, this should be interesting. So I went into the audition room, I auditioned, I think about four, maybe five times maximum over the course of about three to four months. Um, and it was quite interesting, um, you know, the difference between auditioning for an American panel compared to um, a, a British panel, you know, they're very, very direct. They know exactly what they want, but also it's your responsibility as an actor to come to an audition room and to sway them, if that makes any sense. And for mm -hmm. them to see you and think, you know what, we want to take a chance on you. We think you might be great for this role. Um, and so actually, sadly enough, um, and also unfortunate enough, um, when I finished the tour of Dreamgirls, I actually sadly went under surgery um, uh, to remove uh, a little devil that was holding onto my body. And it actually affected me physically um, quite badly. And so mm. at this point, this surgery was literally two days before my final. My surgery was on the Monday. I was on all the drugs, honey. I was on coding, <laughs> morphine, I was on paracetamol, I was on everything. But I said to myself, I, that's not gonna affect me wanting to go into this audition room. I'm still gonna give it my best. And so I went in there and literally I was high as a kite off of morphine because I was like, let me try and numb this pain. Um, and, you know, they were very aware of that. Um, they didn't <laughs> They didn't know the reason as to why um, I wasn't feeling too great because I didn't want to, you know, open up about these things because it's an audition at the end of the day. It doesn't determine anything. Um, and I went in there. I sung Naughty Baby. I did a couple of the scenes. Um, and knowing that out of all of that and despite kind of not being at my 100% best, they still took a risk on me and they gave me that mm. chance. Um, clearly, I did the, the role justice. And good Friday that I got the job. So it was a good Friday, I'll tell you that for free. So Right, right. All right, well, congrat congratulations. Uh, rewinding to what you said about the the panel, the creative team having their, you know, set ways of how they see the show or role or whatnot. How do you have the confidence or the ability to walk into a room and say, maybe they're wanting this, but I'm going to go a different direction. Uh, does that just come with time or, or what? It, someone gave you a bit of advice or how did that come about? Do you know what? It's a bit of both. It, it kind of depends on the show you're auditioning for. So with shows, for example, like The Lion King and even things like Wicked, shows that have been run running in the West End for very long time you kind of think they know exactly what you want at uh, what they want and you know exactly what you need to kind of do in the audition room in order to get the job but there comes a time um, in this industry where the older you get the more of an understanding you realize that actually it's okay to kind of step out of the norm when it comes to certain roles and sometimes it's interesting to be able to jazz up something um it's nice to kind of put your own twist on a role that you think is um is capable of accepting that um and so when it came to for example my audition for um for crazy for you it's a very very standard musical theater classical piece and with some of those pieces you kind of want to go in there and not touch <laughs> what's not been touched right um, and so, yeah, so it kind of depends, but it's also quite exciting because you want to take a risk. You know, you're not losing anything other than potentially getting enough, but you want to kind of go in there in front of a creative team. You want to go in there and just give it your best. And the only way to be rememberable um, is to do something different. 
And it doesn't hurt to kind of go in there and think, you know what, if I'm auditioning for the role of Nala, I'm going to do it in my way. If I'm going to audition for the role of Elphaba, I'm going to do it my way. Um, because sometimes um, repeating something or doing a role that's already been done can be boring at the end of the day. Yeah. It can be boring. It can be boring. And you know, it becomes repetitive. So it's kind of your job as an, as an actor to kind of think, how do I turn this role into something that's still keeping um, the elements of it and that's staying true to the story whilst also jazzing it up and making it different for those that may have not auditioned, uh, may have not seen the show before um, and wanting to kind of, you know, put your own spin on it. Yeah. I'm going to take a turn based off of what you just said because it just sparked a topic that usually comes up in fitness, in theatre, yeah. About about the repetitiveness or the boring nature of some things that are still necessary though. So mm. whether it's whether it's how do I make this not boring and, and feasible for me to accomplish, or how do I accept that this is just boring, but it's a part of the process and I need to do it. So how how do you go about this topic? So let's speak about for example, Dream Girls. <laughs> um, Dream Girls, as far as I'm concerned, um, first of all, it was in the West End back in 2017, going to 2019. Um, I think actually it started and opened in 2016. So it's in the West End for about three to two to three years. And I remember going into watching that and absolutely fell in love with, with the show. And it's very different from the film. When I then got auditioned for the tour, I was like, right, okay. I need to make sure I nail this audition because one, it's a very, very hard piece. It's a sing. And I knew the singing um, was something that I need to make sure that I portray that I'm able to do this eight shows a week. Um, but on top of that, when it came to the actual material and the script, I was like, you know what? I would love to bring a more youthful energy to, to Dina, especially if you're going up and down the country and you're portraying this beautiful story and show to people that would have never seen it before. It's nice to kind of bring something um, new to it and a different energy. And at the time I was aware that Nicole Raquel Dennis, um, they had already booked the job as Effie White. And so I was like, okay, they've got quite a baby face. They've got a very young and youthful energy. So it's little things like that, like looking at the research, who are you gonna be playing alongside? And so I said, okay, they've got quite a young youthful energy where they are also able to kind of grow. Um, as a woman in the show, I was like, you know what, maybe let me make sure that I do my Dina as young and possible because she's the baby of the group at the end of the day. There are three of them, but she's the baby. So I didn't want to come in there all womanly, trying to be Beyonce, trying to live my best <laughs> life. Let's yeah. trying to find my balance, if that makes any sense. So not only is it about advice, about going in there and just giving it your best shot, but it's also trying to talk to yourself and thinking, if I want to do this role, how do I make it my own? How do I stick to the main assets of what the show and the character brings? Whilst also, as I said, trying to take a risk and putting um, a little spin on it too. Yeah. Okay, cool. I love that. I love that. Let's, uh, let's yeah. now rewind and go back to when you were just starting out in theater how, how did this happen where did you like uh, were you born and, and your first words were i'm going to be an actress or did it kind <laughs> of come about in another way what was that like you know what i wish i could actually fully remember how it all started um but i knew that i had a love for music when i was about maybe between eight and nine years old um 
there was so much music in my household. My mum was a huge fan of the Motown era. We were always listening to Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson and the Supremes, Aretha Franklin, all those incredible iconic artists that played a big part in um, in African-American music, um, musical history. There was an audition that came through on the stage. And at this point, I didn't have an agent. I was still a little girl. I was about, I just turned nine years old, actually. Um, and my mum came across open auditions for young Nala in um, in The Lion King. And I was like, mum, what's an audition? What, what does that mean? I don't understand this term that you're using. And so she was like, we're just going to get you into the room. We're going to see how you get on and go from there. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, and so, yeah, I just turned nine years old. I auditioned for um, for Young Nala in front of Pippa Alien and Natalie Gallagher, who were the cast and directors of the show and still are, still running strong. <laughs> um, and I went in there and do you know what? It was a crazy process. I think, not that it's triggering, but as a young girl with Lion King, they were cutthroat back then. Because mm. now when it's auditioning um, Young Nala's and Simba's, they have um, this training program called Cub School. So they actually train the young Nalas and Simbas to be young um, Nala and Simba in the, in the show. Whereas back then it was whatever you had, whatever you brought to the table, they will either accept it or not. So I went in there, did my little, did my little sing song of just can't wait to be king. Um, and then I remember specifically having a dance call um, with the choreographer called Thea and she was not playing. Despite how old we are, she was not playing. I remember her screaming at us little girls in the room, why are your legs not high enough? You can do better than that, come on. And I'm there like crying <laughs> whilst still trying to stay strong. And honestly, that taught me a lot from that point because I was like, wow, is this, is this, is this what the in industry entails? Okay, yeah. at the age of nine years old, I was very aware of that already. Um, and then literally a couple of weeks later, my mom got the phone call saying that um, that they wanted me to be the young Nala. Wow. And the rest was history. Now you're just. The rest is history. Exactly. Here you are. Okay. So you're, you're young Nala. How long were you in the show? So I was in the show for a year. Okay. For about a good year. From 2006 going into 2007. Yes, yeah, 2006 to 2007 for a year um, before I then went on to something else. Got it. So I think this, like as young actors in a successful show or having early success, the industry is so on and off. Mm. How, was, how was that for you mentally as a, as a younger person that once that time at Lion King was over to have this discovery of, oh, I'm not just going to walk into every show and get every role, or I'm not just going to be working consistently. What mm. at, at what point did you go through that little realization and how did you kind of work through that? So I actually went through that realization in 2010. So once I finished Lion King, um, throughout the end of that contract, they were also auditioning for the West End revival of Oliver. Um, which was starring Rowan Atkinson as Fagan, who was an absolute dream to work with. He loved the kids. He was just, he was just like a big dad, you know, he really took care of the show. He was incredible. Um, and I did Oliver straight after Lion King, which was about maybe two to three months later. And then after Oliver, I then went and did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the UK tour. Now, at this point, I was about 12 years old. 
Now, between the ages of 12 and 15 to 16, it is a very awkward age, <laughs> age time period because auditions get a little bit harder because you're at that stage where you're a little bit too old for younger roles, you're a bit too tall, but then you're still too young for the older roles. So it was a very awkward time frame. Um, yeah. And so between 12 and I kid you not, 18, I wasn't working in theatre. I took about, so 12, yeah, about a good six years um, of not being in the industry. And was that it for me? Was it just a, a moment where I just was doing theatre for, you know, a couple of years as a little girl and then that's that's me done? Um, and then I decided, you know what, it's fine. Um, I was lucky enough to sign with uh, Sylvia Young Agency. So they were sending me in the odd kind of, um, documentaries or sort of voiceover jobs and stuff like that so I was working on things that weren't necessarily theatre um, and that's when I realised that it was going to be quite difficult because then I kind of took a little detour in my career realising maybe musical theatre isn't for me anymore despite having that love for it so it, it hit home knowing that six years of not being in the industry and just focusing on my education, making sure that I got my GCSE so that if I didn't go back to musical theatre, I knew that I had a backup plan and that I got my education and my qualifications that I needed for anything else that wasn't theatre. So, yeah, I think that, okay. yeah, it was it was a lot. But I think because I was young, I didn't realise how detrimental it is to be in that kind of position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Do you so, think it would have been, would it been different? Do you think if your first like big, big role per se was maybe let's say 16, 17, you work until 20 and then from 20 to 26, you had that six year gap. Like, how do you think would it? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, no, it's actually a very good question because I would probably say yes. I think it's better to experience that as you're older than when you're younger um, because mm -hmm. you have more of an understanding used to that rejection. You're used to knowing that if this industry doesn't work out for me, I can go and do this. I'm old enough to kind of make my own decisions because as a little girl, mama was still making my decisions. She was still kind of, you know, playing the little mama jar and stuff like that. But I think the pros about it is that because you're young, you can focus on so many other different things. As I said, I was focusing on my GCSEs, I was making friends, I was doing things that I never done before as a little girl. Um, but I think if I hadn't done such a big role as a younger girl, um, it probably wouldn't have been as bad, if that makes sense. Whereas if I was just a little, I don't know, ensemble or this, 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 I think it probably would have been better to do it at the age of maybe 16 to 18, getting older. So yeah. I think that's quite a good question, actually, because I've never even thought about it like that. But but as I said, there's always pros and cons to that. Mm. What's yeah. something that is one of your favorite things to do or a passion or an activity that's not theater based? Do you know, I have a, a number of them. I'm I'm actually quite simple and I think I'm actually a really old soul at heart. I actually just like going for walks. I like going for walks, mm. listening to music. I actually like self-care sort of therapy thing where I actually like coloring and drawing. Um, mm. so I just take some time listening to some music. I actually like listening to jazz. I love me some jazz and some classical music. Um, and other than that, I kind of just, you know, enjoy time hanging out with friends and family, my partner, um, and just the very simple things in life. I don't actually have a major hobby 
um for example like I don't go playing sports I don't go swimming because I can't swim and things like that <laughs> do you know what I mean um so yeah like I love um I love doing things like coloring and stuff like that like I have a whole like coloring set and everything like that I've got my lovely sorry only because it's on standby I'm just showing you yeah yeah I love it <laughs> and so there's these things because I'm very um my heart is always set on affirmations and I actually have this affirmations coloring books oh nice actually for black women and so I, I love just kind of um yeah just coloring in them I mean they're so trash they're not even anything but just kind of like coloring and doing things like that so it's just the little what, things that make sense what is the what are those books what's the title or the, the company name yeah, of course. So the company name um, is Color Me, and the actual volume slash the um, the line is called Melanin. Okay, cool. So I've got two of them so far, so I'm yet to get another one eventually. But I actually started doing it properly in um, during Dream Girl, so it's only about the last two to three years I've been doing it. Okay, cool. All right, I just wanted to, as an unofficial, unofficial sponsor, I just wanted to make, <laughs> make sure we, we, we brought that up. Or just, you know, really, just in case someone was wanting to, uh, to Yeah, uh, no, of course. I mean, it's quite a childlike thing, but as I said, I'm an old soul, but a young heart at the same time. <laughs> no, yeah, there's, there's something settling about uh, coloring. I think coloring, I don't know why this is coming to my head, but like, coloring in a weird way is like cleaning like yeah. the coloring of your you're staying in between the lines there's structure there's mm -hmm. control there's gratification of the beauty you're creating like i Absolutely. i think yeah i think coloring makes a lot of sense and has yeah. a lot of good things to it no sure. it does and i think as you said about the cleaning side of it because one i am very ocd <laughs> so mm. that kind of taps into my ocd of being very particular, very keen, very accurate about certain things and also just mm. having that peace just kind of just shut away for a little bit as well. So I really enjoy yeah. it. I like it. So yeah, that's, that's probably what I'd say are my things. Yeah. All right. This is going to be my last question for us here. We've hopped around a bit. Thanks for just kind of rolling with the punches of whatever I've, I've been asking you, but you sure. just said, you just said something that I struggle with a lot about uh, the OCD nature and as an actress especially probably in the rehearsal process mm -hmm. how do you allow yourself to like let go be a little sloppy or not sloppy but just less structured per se of just yeah how, how do you use OCD to your advantage but also know when it's not serving you yeah absolutely um so I mean it kind of they both quite marry each other when it comes to OCD and also being um, a perfectionist. So when it comes to rehearsals, I know for me, as I said, my OCD taps in. So I like to be, for example, off book by like the first week. Mm. And, um, and I'm such a perfectionist when it comes to um, vocal calls and singing and um, acting choices, etc. And yeah, of course, I always want to be a perfectionist when it comes to vocal calls and wanting to um, yeah. make sure that I'm off book and wanting to make the correct acting choices. And so yeah. it can also be a downfall at the same time when it comes to auditions, because as I said to you before, you go into an audition expecting to be a certain way. And then when you get given notes, you then struggle. You're like, eek, uh, okay, 
I need to make sure that I actually adjust what I just did, if that makes any sense. And so that's something I've been learning within the last few years of remembering that you just go into an audition room, just be sloppy. Don't ha- You don't have to be off book. You can go in there with the script in your hand. And if, actually, and if anything, I actually noticed that when auditions go wrong, they're the reason why you get the job, you know. <laughs> I get mm. like, they are sometimes the reason why something goes in your favor because they don't want perfectionists. They want to see potential. They want to see people that are able to kind of mold and grow when it comes to a production or a play or a, even a TV show. It could be absolutely anything within the performing arts industry. Um, it's okay to be sloppy because that's what they love. They want to see you. They want to see your personality. And so when it yeah. comes to rehearsals, et cetera, um, I would say that when I do use it to my advantage is when I know, okay, cool, um, I know my lines, I'm making sure that I've got all my, you know, routines and choreography on point, et cetera. So that becomes, um, that turns into the perfectionist in me. But then in auditions, I'm able to kind of get away from that and realise it's okay. And that's partly the reasons why I sometimes do feel like I, um, I get some of these jobs and stuff like that. So I'm able to be yeah. sloppy at the beginning and then I can be perfect later, <laughs> if that there, makes sense. There you go. Yeah, I interviewed Jerry Mitchell once, and just to paraphrase him, he said something like, when we're doing auditions, when the performer walks in, it's not the performer's job to show me that they've arrived. It's their mm. job to, sh- to show me they have the potential to arrive. And as the director, then it's I take it from there where I believe in the potential, and then it's my job to partner with them in mm-hmm. Ar- arriving later down the road. So I think exactly. just like exactly. having, yeah, having that mentality as the performer kind of can take some stress off of you of just saying, I don't need to be there now. I just need to show that I'm capable and worthy of having the chance be taken on me and then we'll get there later. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's so important because if I was to give advice to anyone who is wanting to be in this industry or struggling in this industry or wants to be in the industry, etc., I think it's so important that when it comes to auditions that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to mm. be off book. You don't have to go in there being the Skyler sister in Hamilton that they want you to be. You don't. Have, and right. as I said, it's OK to like you mentioned earlier, which I think was quite, a you know, um, a good uh, word to use about being sloppy, like it's OK to not be perfect and it's all right to kind of notice that you know what these are this is who I am this is how I'm coming to the audition room I want to work with you I want to be better so however you think I would um whatever potential you see in me that you think is worthy of exploring I'm open to that rather than going in and thinking yeah this is me I've got walk in there as if you booked the job and stuff like that like it's it's hard like you've got to find the fine balance but yeah yeah yeah. it's a bit of a dance it's a bit of a dance for sure yeah Okay, Natalie, thanks so much for spending the time with us today on Built for the Stage podcast. You were amazing in the show. Uh, I love you. Yes, I love all things crazy for you. And your uh, cast and, and team did its justice for sure, did amazing job. So congratulations on the show. And thank you thank again you for so being much. on the show. Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone, Natalie Kasanga, who uh, can be seen as Irene Roth in the West End production of Crazy For You. You can uh, take a look at our description of the episode to give uh, Natalie a follow on the Instagram. 
so that you can keep up with her career or I don't know, her sightseeing, whatever she's sharing uh, on the gram. I'm Joe Roscoe with Built for the Stage. You can check us out, builtforthestage.com. Would love for you to try out that trial. And until next time, actors or athletes, train like one. Later. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.